0: Well, it is Palm Sunday, and I would like to uh, open, I know we did our responsive reading, but I would like to open with Mark chapter 11, and starting with verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Our God gives us hope. That's why the people were shouting, Hosanna. Uh, That's that's what we have as well. Um, if, If the people were shouting Hosanna because of hope, we should be as well. Let me make sure that we define what we mean by hope. Hope is not something indefinite in the future. It's not a pipe dream. Okay, Um, every every time we have an election, 50% of the people, give or take, probably, because a lot of these elections have been close, 50% of the people have their hopes disappointed, and the other 50% get what they wished for. That's not what we mean by hope. That's actually not hope. That's not biblical hope. Hope that the Bible speaks of. When we say that we have the hope of eternity with God, that's not the same definition, is it, of, boy, I hope my guy wins or, or the other person loses or whatever. It's not remotely the same. The hope of heaven is the promise that God gives us that it's going to get better. That this is as bad as it gets, and it only gets better. Uh, C.S. Lewis indicated that in, in his books that for the Christian, this life is, is, is full of the blessings of God, and it's only going to get better. And and that's our hope, that our God is getting us ready for paradise with him. So we're in Joel chapter 2 today. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're going to start with verse 18. Israel faces a threat of, if I say biblical proportions, it sounds like a joke, epic proportions. And it's bugs. I think. Again, I, I'm not 100% sure that scholars debate it's an army that's like bugs. It's bugs that's like an army. Push comes to shove, I think it's bugs. Um, the, a plague of, of the way that chapter 2 describes it, just millions of locusts destroying them. Uh, this has come upon them because they have abandoned the Lord their God. And so, what are they to do? And we talked about this. They are, they are to, chapter 1, they are to unite together in mourning. 1st. Um, Regret it. Then repent, which means change your behavior. But it doesn't just end there. Um, We have a God that not only hears our prayers, he answers them. He's not just sitting in heaven listening. Um, uh, on, On a philosophical level, there's a difference between theism and deism. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Deism is the belief that God created a world and left it alone. They call him the great clockmaker. He wound it up, set it on the table, left it alone. The deist says prayer is a waste of time. Uh, God made the world and nothing's changing. It's wound up and and the theist says there is a God and he hears and he acts. Prayer makes a difference. He is still actively involved in his world. Now again, you're not going to get everything that you pray for. When I lived in the Midwest, in the, in, in, in the farmlands of Illinois, some farmers were praying for rain and some farmers were praying for sunshine, and it would have been the most patchwork weather ever if every farmer got their, their wish on, on weather. Uh, you are not always going to get what you pray for because he's not the great wish maker, wish fulfiller. But prayer works. Uh, and I absolutely believe that God listens and he acts. And sometimes, when, sometimes he does. Change his plan, and that's that amazes me. That the Creator of the universe will sometimes tweak his universal plan because little old me prays about it. That just amazes me um, that somebody can. And I've seen, I've seen this somebody dying, and you pray, and they get. I, I, I had the chance in, in Illinois. I had a friend, and, he, and I went into the hospital, and, they, and he was at the little our little count, our little town hospital, and they were getting ready to move him to the city. The ambulance pulled up and I looked out his window and I saw the ambulance and I heard the doctor say, He's not gonna make it that far. He's he is on his last minutes. I went out in the hall and called one of the elder's wives. And I came back in and he was sitting up in bed talking. And and the doctor just ashen faced, what just and he said, What just happened? And this man's wife said to the doctor, Our prayer in our church works. <laughs> And so, and I, and I, and I believe that. I believe, it doesn't always happen, but it does happen in prayer works. And we have a God that listens and loves us when we pray. We know that he acts with love. We have that hope. And Israel had that hope. They were united in their hope. They knew that they had a God who loved them. They hadn't always followed him, and that got them in trouble. But when they returned to him, they knew that it wasn't just empty posturing, that they had a God who loved them and wanted to act on their behalf. So let's, let's read in, in Joel chapter 2 and starting with verse 18. Then the Lord will be jealous for his land and take pity on his people. The Lord will reply to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, and oil enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern army far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land with its front columns going into the eastern sea and those in the rear into the western sea, and its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Be not afraid, O land. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things." Be not afraid, O wild animals, for the open pastures are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grains. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust, the other locusts, and the locust swarm. My great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed, and then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed." God gifted the Israelites and, and us with so much that we can have hope in. God gives us joy. Last week we looked at one of my favorite verses, Joel chapter 2, verse 14. God, you know, God may turn, you know, Joel says, repent. Who knows? Maybe God will turn and have pity on us. And I like that because it, it, it reminds me that we're not we're not in this just for the good stuff. Uh, imagine, yeah, I mean people do this all the time. Um, you know, I'll I'll do something good for you if you do something good for me. And that's a transaction. That's business. That's not friendship. Friendship is when you do something nice for somebody and they don't have to do it back. Maybe you're in a better place than they are, um, or. Or they do something nice for you and you don't feel like, oh, now I've got to go pay that back. I've got to, I've got to return. Again, that's business transaction. Um, one of the hardest things, I think, I think it's very hard to get used to letting someone do something nice for me and not purchasing that. Somebody gives me a gift and I immediately need to figure out just how much this gift is valued and go buy a gift of equal value and, and, and return it or give them that. And, and that's not then a gift and it's very i think it's difficult to 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 accept that sometimes um, and so we worship God because God deserves to be worshiped done now he now he is amazing to us let's let's be very clear what he does for us is so much more amazing than what we do but Joel's point to the people is Repent, and you might get out of the consequences of your own action. But repent anyway. So, I always give this example: I cheat on my. Ta- Let's say I cheat on my taxes, and IRS comes after me. If I if if I regret chapter one, first half of chapter two, repent, and try to come clean and talk with the IRS, and try to try to pay that off maybe I'll skirt the consequences and pray about it. Maybe I'll skirt the consequences of my actions, and maybe I won't. But I should repent anyway, right, if I'm cheating on my taxes. Whether or not they let me off the hook, I need to quit cheating on my taxes. I'm, I'm not going to say to the IRS, you know what, I'll quit cheating if you let me off the hook this time. That's ridiculous. And so Joel likewise tells the people, repent. Maybe God will have mercy. Maybe he will not punish you like you deserve, like we deserve, Joel says to them. But regardless, we need to repent. He is gone. He deserves to be worshipped because God is. That's what the word worship. Worship means is worth ship. He is worthy of praise. And this is important to realize. Because so many Christians have, have so many Christians have suffered through the year, and, and, and if you look at it transactionally, you might you might miss this. Percentage of Christians in the U.S is not as high as the percentage of Christians in Ethiopia. It's a more Christian nation than the U.S. The Ethiopic church is big. There are a lot of Christians in that country. Boy, they've been hammered through the years, right? My whole high school growing up and college was just how much these people were suffering. Where was God when his church in Ethiopia was suffering? Loving them, giving them the hope of heaven. But we live in a fallen world, and the climate shifts, and we've had apparently ice ages, and all these other things. And, and it is not a good climate in Ethiopia for a while. Uh, and and just because you follow God doesn't mean everything goes amazingly, but you follow Him anyway, even in the difficult times. Many Christians die around the world because they're Christians, the martyrs. They were faithful to the point of death. They still died. They still do die. Uh, And most martyrs have been given the chance, recant or die. Change your faith or you will die for being a Christian. And most martyrs choose death over abandoning their faith. So what can we say about those unfortunate people? Are they unfortunate? Those who really do suffer terribly. We say that God is still their God. That he is their Lord of hope that he gives them joy even in the face of suffering. He provides us peace through it all. Um, God, the benefits of following God outweigh the bad. So I have an absolute phobia of needles. Always have. Got a tetanus shot or something. Got a tetanus shot when I was in like second grade and I tensed up so bad I couldn't move my leg for days afterwards. Um, I'm now at the point that when I go to the hospital and I check in, because I do get my, my thyroid levels checked frequently, when I go in, they smile and they say, hang on a minute, we'll wheel out the bed. Because I can't sit down in the chair. I'm gone. <laughs> that, that, they get that needle out and I'm gone. I pass out. <laughs> uh, so many times. I, I'm at about a 50-50 now. About 50% of the time I make it through it without passing out. But, but only about 50-50 right now. I, I consider that improvement. I hate needle hate needles. I hate blood work. It's, it's this overwhelming phobia that just makes me sick to my stomach and blackout. And so why do I do it? Because I feel so much better when my thyroid medicines are correct. The benefits so outweigh the negatives that it has become absolutely worth staying on top of that. I'm grateful that they make those medicines that make me feel better. Um, following God... There are trials and there are pains in this world, and some of them get worse when you're a Christian. Satan hates Christians, and he makes our lives harder. I do believe that. So is it worth it to follow God? Yeah. The benefits drastically outweigh the negatives, but there are still problems when you follow God. And, and yet, yeah, and Jason, what about those martyrs? What about, you know, what about those Christians in North Africa that were recently beheaded for being Christians? Yeah, believe it or even with that, the benefits outweigh the negative because we have hope. And that hope gives us joy. This world, The problems in this world are temporary, kind of like the blood work. The blood work is temporary. The thyroid medicine is wonderful and, and, and last gives me energy to get through the day and last me for, you know, on and on and on. Day by day, I feel better for it. Following God, the trials that we go through, even maybe to the point of death, it's just for this life. Eternity with God awaits us. And that gives us hope, that gives us joy. The more we get to know God, the more we understand him and the more we trust him and the more that we praise him. And so when tragedies happen, we learn to trust that he's still in charge and that we are with him. When bad things happen, we're able to say this will pass. One way or the other, this won't last forever. When things are going great, I'll be honest, these things too shall pass. If if things are going well, brace yourselves. They won't go well forever. We will still have bad times in the future. Bad things can happen to us. But evil, God spares us from evil. We have hope and we have joy for the future. And we can keep that. God gives us joy. But he also gives us his care. You know the difference between the pessimist and the optimist, right? The glass is half full, the glass is half empty. You know that. There are people... That no ma- There are people that will always complain. They went a free trip, all, all expenses included, to Disneyland, and they're going to complain about the, which, which airline they're flying and what the airline is serving, their free lunch on the airline. There are those people, right, and you know them. Some people are... And then there's other people that are just always happy, that just, no matter, no matter what's going on, they seem to be in a good mood. You know, for a nation that is being punished by the Lord, Israel, there is still a lot of blessings in their lives because God loves his children. And he loves you and me. He still loves his children. And and his love results in blessings for us. Uh, God delights in sending blessings on his people. He loves it. He loves it more than his people even do. He loves giving. Um, now, this... Again, God is not a cosmic Santa. He's not here to grant wishes. We've got to make sure that we don't follow him for for that reason, for his stuff. There is a difference between the Lord who gives blessings and the Lord of blessings. For those who the Lord loves, as I said, for the Christian, this world, see what C.S. Lewis says, for the Christian, this world is, is, is full of blessings, and it's just a foretaste of what is to come. We look around and we see that we are blessed. Our Lord has blessed us, and Americans are really bad at complaining, right? I remember, did you guys ever watch the Cosby show? I know Bill Cosby is not the most popular person these days, and, and I get that, But but the show was good, and I remember there was a point where Cosby's character, Cliff, uh, they were talking about his his college football days. And apparently he wasn't terribly good, but he always had an excuse. And at one point there was a game that he said, you know, the, you know somebody mentioned one game. He said, well, I didn't play well that day because the sun was in my eyes. And, there was an, and, then, and then somebody brought up a, a, another game. He said, well, that day it was raining pretty bad. And his wife says, so what you're saying is you can't play in the sun or in the rain. Um, and I, I tell you, as I've gotten older, that reminds me of church so much. There are so many people that, oh, I can't go to church today. It's such a nice day. I do not want to take advantage of it. But then the, but then the other half of the, of the time, oh, I can't go to church today. It's too rainy and miserable outside. And it's like, oh, so you can't go in the sun or the rain. Not Obviously, not you guys. The weather's been crazy, and you're all here today. <laughs> but we used to laugh at my previous church that the weather had to be just perfectly murky, that there was no excuse. It wasn't too good to go down to the lake and go boating. We live near a lake. And it can't be too bad that people could stay home. It had to be. It had to be just perfect in the middle that people couldn't make the excuse of staying home and they couldn't didn't want to go down to the lake, and and there are and, and so as as Christians don't we, we can complain about everything we can complain on sun, we can complain about sunny weather we can complain about rainy weather, um, I I can complain about how rough my life is, but come on is it really now now that I've been to. Oh, spent spent a few weeks in the ghettos of of Panama, uh, of of the town of David in Panama, and and lived in the jungles of Papua New Guinea for a few months, and and and, and been in the West Bank uh, of Israel, where you know that that part that's fought over and 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 heavily militarized. Now that I've been to all these places that are doing so much worse, I I have it great, I really do. Um, and so I'm one of these people who's like, man, I don't like what my comic book published this week. I don't like this story. I hate that character. Come on. is that? I mean, that, that, is, so, that is so trivial and useless. It's got to be offend, offensive to God when there are people that are like on permanent water rations and struggling to figure out where their next meal will come from. Um, I, I have no room to complain. I have it so well. And yeah, there are some times that bad breaks happen. And some of you may have had some really bad breaks in life. I would also say that the the vast majority of the bad things that have happened in my life, I did it to myself. Most of the bad things in my life are the consequences of things I said or did, and that's what's heaped upon me. And then I'm like, God, why is this happening to me? And the answer is oftentimes you did this to yourself. This is why Jeremiah, one of my favorite books in the Bible is Lamentations. I, I don't know why. It's kind of a sad book. Israel's, J- Jerusalem has been destroyed, and this is this long, really long poem, five-chapter poem about, oh, woe is us, look at what has happened to our wonderful city. And yet, Jeremiah, there's this tinge of hope within it that, that Jeremiah recognizes God is good and there is hope, and, and, and that even in the midst of this catastrophe, the destruction of their beloved Jerusalem, there's, God is still a God of hope who cares for his people. So we get to, to Joel chapter 2, and, and yeah, Israel's going through a tough time. This army of bugs, or this army like bugs, uh, infested. And, and God says, return to me. Who knows? Maybe he will relent. Maybe he will forgive us. But even if he doesn't, Joel reminds the people, we will praise God. And so we get, we get to verse 20, and we find out that God does relent. It's not just this earlier, maybe God will relent. We get to verse 20, and we see God does relent. Uh, he does shower us with blessing. Life is pretty good. You know, there's a lot of comparisons between us and, and Israel. Life is pretty good when you think about it. And you can say, Jason, you don't, you don't know how tough my life is. And I still compare it to other countries, and I'm not sure that you realize how bad they've got it. Most of us still have jobs. There are places that are hiring in town. If you say, Jason, I don't even have a job, Taco Bell's always got a sign on it It says it's hiring. It may not be the job you want, but there are people around the world that would give anything to work at Taco Bell. Um, you know, Jason, we're in a recession. Maybe, but... I don't like the drive throughs, they're still crowded. Movie theater's still still playing. People still have that spending money. Comic book companies are still making comic books, which is definitely frivolous spending. Maybe we're in a recession. I'm not gonna say that money's getting kinda worse. But I still don't think it's as bad everything I've heard about the Great Depression of the nineteen twenties, we're not there. We're not we're not that bad. I think we still have a lot of blessings. Jason, my, my stocks have fallen. Yeah, but 100 years ago, did people, I mean, did common people buy stocks? I mean, was that just something that rich people did, or, or could anybody do that? I still think that we've got it reasonably decent. And, and even if the stocks are falling, you know what my consolation is, everybody's stocks are falling. We're all in this together. It's not like other people are, are, are doing amazing while I'm doing terrible. We're all, we're, we're all struggling. We're all giving up the name brand Pepsis for the Sam's Choice Colas. We're all at that point right now. But we've still got Sam's Choice Cola. <laughs> it's not as bad as it could be. And I think that we're really bad about complaining about how rough our life is when when we probably should recognize that God has blessed us and we tend to take those blessings for granted. We have so many reasons to praise God, to pray to him, to thank him. I guess we should ask ourselves the question, Do do we? God is so faithful to us, and that's the reason that we can be faithful to him. He is our example, and he empowers us to follow him faithfully, but we do have to choose to do so. Now, let's finish the chapter, verse 28. And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's Acts chapter 2. We read read this quoted in Acts chapter 2. It's a prophecy about, it's not about those days. This is Joel saying it's going to get better one day, and what he's talking about is the formation of the church when, because Christ came, we all have access to his Holy Spirit. We have it good. Israel was blessed by God. They were his treasured possession. That is a phrase the Bible uses, his treasured possession. They had prophets, God did miracles among them, but we have the Holy Spirit. And they didn't have that. A gift that Joel foretells, prophesies about, that one day, good as Israel had it, God didn't live within them. And again, that's, that's, that's amazing and hard for me to imagine, but they were waiting for that day. And that happens in Acts chapter 2 on the day of, of Pentecost. Uh, I, I want to say that again. We have the Holy Spirit. That's a big deal. God within us. A gift for all Christians, for all who will call upon his name. So many Christians grow through life with their tail between their legs. They live in fear and shame and regret and disappointment. They miss the point. There's no shame in Christ. We're no longer creatures of shame. God has forgiven us. We may not forgive ourselves, but God has forgiven us. There's never any point that we should be ashamed for being a Christian. There are there are people that are ashamed, and, and a lot of times the people that are ashamed for being a Christian then struggle with God's forgiveness. I, th- I think that those go hand in hand. We have forgiveness, we have the friendship of God. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. That should get us excited. If you love Jesus, Christianity is great. it's, it's exhilarating. It's a celebration. I do fear that there are a lot of people that come to church, there are a lot of people that call themselves Christians, that don't they struggle with loving Jesus. They think that there is a God, they think that Jesus is his son, they think that there is a heaven, they think that there is a hell, and they don't want to go to hell, and so they follow God because they don't want to go to hell. But it's so much more than... (laughs) Being a Christian is so much more than not going to hell. I mean, that's just a piece of the puzzle. It's wonderful. It's just such a small piece. Imagine if I gave you, pick a store in town. We'll just go generic and go with Walmart. Imagine that I give you a coupon that says 50% off everything in the store. Here's your coupon. And you go to Walmart, and you're like, man, a bag of Doritos, mine. And that's all you use it for, and you leave and you bought a bag of Doritos for, 50, for 50% off. What a waste. I mean, you can do it. What a waste. Christianity is so much more than not going to hell. If that's all you're in it for, if that's all you've really got out of it, what a waste. There's so much more. You can do it, I think. But that's just, that's, that's just a small piece of, the, of, of what following God is. There's so much more that we can get out of this. We have hope. We have joy and care and the Holy Spirit. We have the promise of eternity with God. Our hymn of decision today is hymn number 243. Now, how does Joel, how does this all tie into Palm Sunday? And my argument would be that's the point of Palm Sunday. The people of Israel had hoped that God would pour out his spirit on all people on the day of the Lord The people saw in Jesus the promised Messiah who would deliver on that promise. Uh, that's why they shouted, Hosanna. Uh, they, they, uh, but I will say that a lot of those people didn't really want the real thing. They, they wanted saved from hell. They didn't want the Holy Spirit in them. They didn't want to change their lives. They didn't want to follow God. They just didn't want to go to hell. And I think that that's a lot of people today. There's a lot of people that don't want to go to hell, but when you start to get into you need to be more Christ-like, back off, mind your own business. But that's what the call is. The call is to be Christ-like, to follow him. Um, We are a church united in the common hope that God sent Jesus to redeem us from the power of sin. If you haven't made that decision to accept Christ as Savior, to be baptized into his name, um, to accept the gift of the Holy Spirit... And to be a Christian, I want to talk with you about that. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.